Welcome to Powered, Powered by, by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. I will share that my cat has been giving me problems, which you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. It's been almost as if he's eaten something again, but maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> the verdict is out. Mm -hmm. So I've been going for weeks like that, over the holidays like that, not knowing. Mm -hmm. So I'm crossing my fingers that he didn't, and that, sadly, that it's a digestive issue. Not that I want that, but... yeah. If it is a digestive issue, it's going to be very expensive throughout his whole life because the food is outrageous in cost. Oh. We had the holidays and that we took a break, which was nice. Mm -hmm. I needed a break. Yeah. I needed a break from editing more than anything. Oh, man. Then also my daughter was supposed to come over the holidays, but because of that big storm that hit the whole country, she couldn't make it. Mm. That was very disappointing. Yeah, I was just going to say, I know you were really, really bummed. I was. I was. That was going to be a big deal for everybody to be together for Christmas. But it's better that she was safe, you know. Not, yeah. And she wasn't stuck in an airport. They found out about 10 minutes prior to them leaving the house. So they got lucky, unlike mm -hmm. so many people. Mm-hmm. And she's rescheduled to come out this next coming weekend. So that's exciting. Nice. At least I'll get to see her. I was hoping she would expand the amount of time she's coming, but unfortunately she didn't. So she's only going to be here for three days, really, oh. that I'm going to see her for three days. She's here yeah. for five with travel time. But at least, again, I'll get it's to see something. her. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, holidays, I had three Christmases this year. Wow. Yeah. Only one of them on actual Christmas. One of them was on Christmas Eve, so I guess that counts. But Depending yeah. how you celebrate, absolutely. That's yeah. when I celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three Christmases this year. The other thing I've been doing is me and my brother in Elder Scrolls Online just opened a guild, and we're going to have a lot of fun. It's a role-play guild, and we've been enjoying setting it up because we have a house that's going to be our guild hall, and we've been setting it all up with all the decorations and everything, and... Yeah, it sounds really cool. If I'm not mistaken, that's the one I've been kind of communicating with you on, maybe helping a little? Yeah. Is that the right one? That is exactly the right one. Like, I can be really helpful in all of that, but I try. You did a great job for me the other day with helping create my character. I really appreciated that. Yay! All right. Oh, I was going to say, I have to just say, I, we got our drinks as we always get from our little Dutch brother's place. Mm -hmm. Sylvia is kind enough to treat us with that each time we get together. And today I got one that was a mocha lavender. Ooh, it was, was it very good. Freeze or freeze? Yeah. Freeze because it has coffee. Oh, it is so good. So good. They always are good. I'm starting to get a key, you know, starting to get an idea of which drinks I like or don't like. Every now and then I'll try a new one, and this one's new. It's very good. So I just had to say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about we begin with you? Sure. For the Witch's Tools, today I chose the Book of Shadows or Grimoire. Nope, that's my cat doing something. 
Mm-hmm. What is she doing? She is behind oh, your... Treadmill. Treadmill, yeah. Well, maybe she wants to get some exercise. She could use it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. A Book of Shadows is a very useful part of a witch's tool set. If you've been with this spirituality, you probably have a good idea of what a Book of Shadows is, but we'll describe it for you just in case. It's used to document spells, ingredients, and the results from spells. It can be a sort of recipe book, a journal. A diary, yeah, kind of. Yeah, or a combination of the two. It can also be for a whole coven, in which case there's often rules to what goes in it, or be for a solitary person. In this case, it's whatever the person wants in it. Alternatively, people have used their electronic devices to create their Book of Shadows. Yeah, when we first started with, uh, when I started studying and computers really weren't in the scene, mm -hmm. it was considered maybe not the greatest idea to put your Book of Shadows or anything really into the computer. Yeah. Um, just for energy and part of it being that there is energy held in the writing of the pen, the actual action of writing. Mm -hmm. And your own energy is going in because it's flowing through you and out the, you know, your hand for putting out energy. Yeah. That was how it was originally. Obviously things have changed since then because computers have become an integral part. Yeah, yeah. And there was, I did see in at least one place that, you know, they talked about the argument of creating with your own hand and writing it out not only puts your own energy into it, but also helps you remember it. Mm-hmm. That's true. The term Book of Shadows began to be used for the book with Gerald Gardner sometime in the late 1940s. And there's some theories as to how he began with calling it the Book of Shadows, but I figured I'd just kind of leave that out for now. Okay. Doreen Valiente, who was a high priestess of Gerald Gardner's coven in the 1950s, rewrote much of the first Book of Shadows after she criticized it, and Gerald Gardner challenged her to write a better one. Hmm. But Book of Shadows is not the only word that can be used. Grimoire is another term, and much older. A grimoire originally comes from the French term grammaire, meaning a book written in Latin. In the 18th century, it became the name for magical books, and there's many famous grimoires. Testament of Solomon, Corpus Hermeticum, the Letter Lesser Key of Solomon, and more. Often, a grimoire is a less personal, quote-unquote, recipe books type setup. Some people have been using grimoire as a word as an alternative to Book of Shadows. Whatever you call it, it remains a very useful tool in the witch's toolkit. Yes, it does. And it's nice to be a hand-me-down, too, because you can, you know, pass it on. Yeah, exactly. Which is really nice to be able to add to it and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And when we studied and what everybody usually probably thinks of is a hard covered book that has a no certain number of pages. Yep. And I have one of those. Nowadays, again, we get so much information and we have binders that mm -hmm. sometimes that's the better way to go. And not only that, if you have 
a spell or something that you want to put together for a little while, you can move the pages around in the Right, and binder. you can change how you want the order or structure of it to be. Mm-hmm. However, it is nice to have the hardcover traditional book, and that feels like a nice hand-me-down. Yeah. To each his own. Maybe you have two. Who knows? Yeah. There was actually one person I was reading that, that had two. She had her travel grimoire or travel book of shadows and then she had her home book of shadows which had everything in it interesting yeah so she said she took the travel one with her everywhere and then the other one stayed home Mm-hmm. And i thought that was a really great setup very cool shall we move on to allison balfour yes allison balfour also known as margaret balfour is one of the most well-known and spoken about witches in Scottish history. She lived in the region of Stennis of the Orkney Islands. She and her family were persecuted for witchcraft according to the Scottish Witchcraft Act of 1563, in which witchcraft was punishable by death. How many times can I say witchcraft over and over (laughs) until my tongue gets tied? Her trial was held in 1594, and she was found guilty and put to death. Of course. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't be here in my little story. Yep. Once again, as so many times in the history of witchcraft trials of Scotland, if not all over Europe, this was due to the suspicion of some aristocracy plotting against another to orchestrate their demise. In this case, it was the second Earl of Orkney, Patrick Stort, also known as Black Paddy, who believed that one or all of his younger brothers were behind a plot to kill him, in particular John Stuart, Earl of Carrick. This was because the poison that Patrick discovered at some point was from Thomas Papley, a servant of John Stuart's. Thomas was tortured for 11 days when he finally confessed to the event, but also pointed the finger at Balfour and her family. Before Papley was put to death, he claimed his innocence. The damage to Balfour was, however, already done. It was found out that the brothers had gone to her to ask what kind of spell would be best to place on Black Paddy to cause his demise. It is said that the first such meeting, and others, were in October of 1593. Whatever was or wasn't done, The ultimate outcome produced no results. It had no effect on Black Paddy. Balfour, her husband Talifer, her son, and seven-year-old daughter were then moved to Kirkwall Castle in 1594. There, she and her family were subject to extreme torture for two days in order to get a confession from her. After her trial, they were all put to death by hanging, and their bodies were burned but not before she retracted and vividly outlined the entirety of the torture she had endured. Oh my God, the whole family? The whole family, as far as I'm aware. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Jeez. One such torture was that of a device which it was made of iron that would enclose her legs so it could be heated to scald her legs until she passed out. This was done multiple times. When she didn't give in, they took to her husband, and it's speculated that they used stones, which were 700 pounds, and placed them on him to quote-unquote press the body. 
was that one big rock or like little rocks? They didn't say. I don't know. I can't imagine. Yeah, right? They then turned to her son and mutilated his legs by hammering them while strapped into an iron boot, which stretched from knee to ankle. Finally, they turned to her daughter and enacted the practice of pinniewinkles, also known as thumbscrews, which pulverized her fingers. Ugh. This is when Balfour conceded to their accusations. It was strongly implied that they would not be put to death if she admitted to the crime. Naturally, this was a lie. So many witches of the time had the trials carried out in St. Magnus Cathedral, where they were also kept for their interrogation and torture. This wasn't the case for Balfour. She was held in Kirkwall Castle. It is not clear where her torture was in fact carried out. Her interrogator was Henry Colville of Orphir, a friend of Patrick Stewart and a minister. After being found guilty, they were taken to the Gallo Ha for their sentence to be performed. And this occurred on December 16th, 1594. That was, I think, what I liked about this, or if you can like anything about this, is that she outlined vividly what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to have that information and, and remember that history. Yeah, exactly. That's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. And she, I, I just don't quite understand how she was able to hold out through not only her husband to begin with, mm -hmm. which I can kind of sort of sort of see, but then her son. And it wasn't until her daughter that she gave in. Yeah. I'm kind of confused about that. I'm sure she had her reasons. I don't blame her for any, by any means. Yeah. But it just was interesting to me. It was just something that keeps popping in my head and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So how about we move on to Mayan magic with Sylvia? <laughs> this little history lesson should be prefaced with this. Some of what we know comes from the Spanish conquistadors, who, in their fervor to spread Christianity and probably get gold, tried to destroy the native religion of Central America. They did write down some of the native religion, but it was done through a purely Christian attitude. Oh, come on. Surprise, surprise. I know, right? Now, Mayan civilization started a little before 1000 BCE. Theirs was a religion of order and chaos. Order was health, normal cycles of nature, and chaos was famine and sickness. There was a reciprocal nature to the relationship of humans to the gods. Humans offered blood that the gods used, and then the gods gave back supernatural power in exchange. Very interesting. Right? We've all heard of the human sacrifice there, but there actually seems to be little evidence for it in the archaeological records. If there was human sacrifice, it was probably during warfare and in small amounts. There was also the less lethal and more, much more common bloodletting. This was done by rulers and their wives, as well as many others. Um, it was a very common practice. The, there is one stone relief in which the wife of a ruler is pulling a thorned rope through her tongue. Ugh. Ooh. I can't imagine how painful that must have been. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I hear about tongue piercings, but geez. 
Right? <laughs> the gods they had included Kolkulkan, the feathered serpent, Chak, a rain god, Itzamna, creator of writing, Konichiaja, I know I said that wrong. I think it's like a ha or something like that. Mm-hmm. The sun god. Tezcatlipoca, the arch sorcerer, kind of the god of sorcerers. Yum Kash, the maze god. And Ischel, goddess of childbirth, healing, and the moon. It's interesting to note that the gods all had two sides. The side of order when propitiated, and the side of chaos when not. Another point of Mayan magic was their calendar, and it was actually comprised of two calendars. One that had 365 days, the solar calendar, and one that had 360 days, a ceremonial calendar. Curious. Mm Mm-hmm. Generally, about every 20 days, there was a ceremony held where there was dancing and religious happenings, also like bloodletting and that sort of thing. These two calendars were connected by 52-year cycles. Now, the end of the cycles were feared because it was seen as, at that point, anything could happen. There was no predictions to be made and such as that. Kind of like our Y2K or something? Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. These days, like the day you were born on, was also used to divine the future of a person. Being born on a certain day could give you good fortune, or you could be predicted to be a bad person. One fact to note is that the Mayan calendar was even more accurate than our own modern day calendar in the sense of how well it charted the days of the year. Oh, that is interesting. Right? wonder, how was it more accurate? They didn't have, like, the every uh, every four years they had to account for the extra day and so on and so forth. Mm. They accounted for that extra time in each calendar. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah. On another note, mirrors were special and dangerous, as they could let spirits through. Thus, it was a sign of courage to look into a mirror. I read in one place that warriors would wear mirrors on their backs to discourage other warriors from attacking from the back in fear of seeing into the mirror. Oh, that is really interesting. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I wish there were more documentation of Mayan magic, but I didn't have a great amount of info to work with. It also could be that I didn't look hard enough, but I did my best. I'm sure you did. And it is hard to find information on some of these uh, magics. Yeah, this magic history, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like looking for the witches. Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes Sometimes you you don't. don't. Yeah. Now we have the oracle. We changed it up a bit. Yes. We're not doing tarot today. We're doing an oracle. And I picked out the ginkgo tree. Here we see paths leading to and from the ginkgo tree. It looks as if the sun is rising, and there is an imprint of a ginkgo leaf on a stone and a bridge in the distance. The sun shines on a new day where the new beginning will take root. There is a history that has brought us to this tree, perhaps that of our ancestors. The golden leaves of the ginkgo tree always offer me a smile, some joy, and some hope. Even in the fall, they shine as brightly as the summer sun, 
What is it that does that for you? The wisdom of the trees can give us a deep insight to the history that holds so much for us to learn from. What can you discover from your past or your family's past? This tree suggests that there is something you may have forgotten or are ignoring. Again, look into your history to see what you may be avoiding or missing. There are lessons there that can offer great insight into who we are if we are willing to look for it and grow from it. It may bring new light to your life and perception as to who you are and why. Lovely, as always. Thank you. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic. And thank you everybody for being patient with us for taking our two-week break. I apologize that we did not announce that in advance. That yeah. was a very last-minute choice. Yeah, it was. All right, have Sorry. a great day. Have a good one. Thank you.